working it so she was working it for bitch talk um, but it, it was fun it was a press event to celebrate the opening of respect hip-hop style and wisdom at the oakland museum of california and uh yeah and will tell you a little bit more about this uh we have a lot of fun interviews for you today uh we're going to be talking to adisa banjoko who uh helped curate the event eric arnold who's been a hip-hop journalist for decades and Madlines, who is a, not only a talented MC, but who's really working with the community and, and trying to empower girls, females, uh, and everyone in general through the uh, power of hip hop. Yeah, I mean, she was working it. So really enjoy these interviews. And uh, if you're in the Bay or coming to the Bay in the next five months, Respect uh, is open from March 24th until August 12th. So come through. Bitch Talkers, I am now speaking with Adisa Banjoko, consulting curator of, of everything that's going on here today. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I'm sure you must be exhausted. Yeah, I'm ridiculously tired. Uh, hello, Bitch Talkers. I hope that you're having a bitchin' time listening to this because we're having a fun time here and we hope you come out and hang. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, this experience is... Uh, walking around here has been spiritual. It's been. I feel like I feel like I've been at a house party. I feel like I feel like it's touched all the different realms of my life. So I wanted to know how did you first get uh, think of this project, or, or even how did it? How was it born? So really, the way this was born actually was born in in, in 2014. In 2014, I was with RZA, Wu Tang Clan in St. Louis, and we were opening up the World Chess Hall of Fame exhibit, Living Like Kings, with Susan Barrett, and. Uh, Ironically, we'd been working on it for two years, but then the day that it opened, it was like the week prior, the Ferguson uprisings had started. So we were in St. Louis, and we knew like 20 miles away, things were on fire, there were helicopters, and people were protesting. And nevertheless, when we opened up the exhibit, um, there were lines around the block, black and white families, like it was this place of like peace and 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 it was like a it was like a safe haven right uh, and people are reading about chess they're reading about martial arts they're reading about hip-hop and we broke the record actually that day for the biggest opening it was bigger than Bobby Fisher's opening day at the World Chess Hall of Fame and so I'm looking at the people around the block and it was a warm kind of muggy night and I'm looking at everything and me and RZA had just left the juvenile hall talking to some kids uh, in there, some young men and women, and then we, and then we spoke to about 500 kids earlier uh, uh, in northern St. Louis, and everybody's like, yo, this is going crazy, it's so amazing, and I was looking around, and I was like, I had this like euphoric like wave hit me, and then I was like, this is amazing, but it'll be much doper when we do it in Oakland. You know what I mean? And then like I just I, I I went to sleep, and I got up, and I was like, all right, so we're gonna start doing this in Oakland. I started putting it together. So. 
I've known Renee, the senior curator here, for, for 20 years almost because I worked on a thing at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts 20 years prior writing about hip-hop. So then what happened is I pitched it to him and he was like, no. And I was like, okay, because I'm an upbeat guy. So I went and I pitched it to the De Young Museum. I called the Asian Museum in San Francisco. I called the Museum of the African Diaspora. I called... Uh, museums in LA I called museums in New York and no one called me back I didn't even get a like your idea sucks kid call me when you you know what I'm saying like no one responded to me and I was like how am I gonna get this done man I was like you gotta call Renee again so I called Renee back and I was like hey Renee um, remember the idea you weren't really sure you were feeling I think you'll feel it and here's why and he was like actually hold on he was like I was getting ready to call you because someone said that uh, we should have a hip-hop exhibit and I look back at your proposal and I liked it, so let's do it. I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you kidding? It happened just like that, like all at the same moment. Yeah, and so he was like, all right, we're doing it. And then so from there, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm a historian and a curator by kind of like uh, choice, you know what I mean? Not by training. And so after we decided we were really going to do it, then me... Renee and Penny Jennings went to the Cornell Hip Hop Collection, the uh, Hip Hop Archive at Harvard, and we went and met with uh, UMass Boston with their collection. And so we drove from Ithaca, New York to, uh, we went to, what is it called? The Museum of the Mass Mocha, you know what I mean? In, 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 in Western Massachusetts. And so that whole trip, basically became the foundation for what became respect all the hours in the car talking figuring it out you know what i mean and then so then we just kind of created it. but i mean most of this i had in my head but um the people here made it breathe you know yeah. Well, I wanted to talk more about uh, this connection to chess, hip hop and chess, because uh, you are the founder of the nonprofit Hip Hop Chess Federation. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how this came about and, and the connection between chess and hip hop? Yeah. So the connection between chess and hip hop is basically uh, at, at its root, meaning that, you know, in the early 70s, when, when hip hop started to form, that is when Bobby Fischer won the world chess, uh, won, won, the, won the world championship. Okay, over Boris Spassky. And at that time, chess was a huge part of American culture. And it was a huge part of global culture because it was kind of a thing between capitalism and, and, and socialism and things like that, you know. Um, and so Bobby Fischer won. And so uh, at the same time, Bruce Lee uh, in 73 in August, uh, Enter the Dragon comes out. So what was happening is that everybody was kind of siloed up in their own space and what that meant was they weren't recognizing that the same parks where people were playing chess at for money were the same parks where people were DJ battling, the same parks where people were dancing, were the same parks where like the 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 Chinese families would be doing their Tai Chi, right? And then and then you got black and Latino kids coming out of watching 36 Chambers movie, you know what I mean? And then they grow up to be Wu-Tang Clan, they grow up to be Public Enemy, they grow up to be all these other uh, individuals that mention chess, that mention martial arts and things like like that and so it's also important to note that like while African Americans young African Americans are the fastest growing demographic uh, in in the chess community right one of the fastest growing uh, demographics it's important to note that it's not because chess organizations look out for black and Latino kids hey come join our club it's not because of that it's because 
black and Latino children and poor children across the world know that chess is going to teach them about life strategies. They know that chess is going to teach them about sacrifice, about structure, about recovering from loss, about all of these things, right? About risk assessment. Is it worth to give that up to get that? You know what I mean? And yeah. things like that. And so that's what my organization teaches. How does chess mirror life? And then how can we take these positions that happen on the board, um, overlap them with our life, and then make the best choices through that? So we've been doing that for about 11 years. Wow, that's that's incredible, and and so and and it, and it happens that a lot of lyrics in hip hop are dedicated to chess, and 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 some and sometimes like hidden hidden in the lyrics. Absolutely, you know, chess. Rap music talks more about chess than any other form of music on the planet, and this is one of the things that happens when we're dealing with like. If you're just dealing specifically with black males, but dealing with youth in general, right? There's this overarching uh, uh, idea through through the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that says, oh, well, black kids not only aren't intelligent, they don't even have any aspiration to being intelligent, right? And I can tell you, uh, uh, week after next, I'm going to spend my entire week in juvenile hall uh, here in San Leandro where all the kids from Oakland, a lot of kids from San Francisco, those kids are dope chess players. They're amazing. But what they haven't figured out is how do I transfer these good choices I'm making on the board into my actual daily life you know what I mean like yeah. that's that's the difference but so chess whether it's again public enemy EPMD Jay-Z right like Wu-Tang Clan uh, right here with uh, 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 Zion I you know what I mean there's a lot of chess lyrics a lot of uh, martial arts metaphors and these are survival tools you know what I'm saying like we can talk about hip-hop you know is it art is it not art is it educational is it whatever really like uh, hip-hop is is a survival mechanism for people who have nothing Wow. So, so you've played chess with with all these uh, hip hop artists as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I played chess with Chuck D before. I played with RZA. Um, I played with uh, Rugged Monk from Wu Tang Clan, uh, DJ Qbert, uh, a lot of people. Who's the best, or are you? Uh, no, I am not the best. I'm definitely not the best. Uh, I'll tell you who's actually one of the best, man. Is Kadir Latif straight out of Buffalo, New York. I, I, I'm trying to set something up where either I can get him to play Will Smith or him to play RZA or I need them all in some kind of tournament. Because uh, wow. it, it'll be... And, and you know who's oh, really good? Locally, 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 who gets slept on the most is DJ Kevy Kev. Okay. I've seen him beat RZA. Uh, <laughs> Kevy Kev is amazing. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me, Adisa. One more thing. If, uh, when people come to see this exhibit, what do you hope that they leave with uh, thinking about hip-hop or, or learning something new? Um, I think the main thing, like when you look at hip-hop, right? Okay, so like we're sitting here. We see a statue of Tupac and Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey. We look over here. We see the Nick Cave sound suits and things like that. And you go down the hall a little bit. You'll see a 64 Impala and all this, right? Like everybody who's doing all this stuff, like... Um, Hip-hop gave them the license to be themselves, meaning that hip-hop created CEOs, it created film producers, it created studio people, it created magazine editors, it created magazines, it created publishers, it created uh, food connoisseurs, it created all these different things, right? And so hip-hop is the perfect place to be yourself, right? Um, there's nowhere else that anybody will accept you as, as much as the hip-hop community. Because as long as you're being your authentic self, people are excited that you're around. You know what I mean? As soon as you start kind of conforming and trying to be something you're not, whether that's a gangster or a businessman, nobody likes you. So you need to come in and be your authentic self and cultivate it. And so if people walk away knowing that, uh, you know, um, 
I'm not a curator, like I said, by trade. I wasn't a journalist by trade. You know what I'm saying? I became a journalist because my 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 counselor, Mr. King, said, you're straight failing uh, every class but English, so I'm making you write. And I said, well, I don't want to write about sports or anything that the school does. He said, what do you want to write about? I was like, I want to write about hip-hop. So then I called uh, Ruthless Records and said I wanted to interview Eazy-E. And so Eazy-E let me interview him when I was like 17, and then we became cool. And so it's like, Mr. King... And Easy e made me a journalist. Because I wasn't a journalist. I was just trying to talk to a guy who was famous. You know what I'm saying? Wow, yeah. and, and it turned into this. Like, from, from Easy e giving me permission to interview him, he gave me the license to be a journalist, which now brings me here. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love that message. As long as you're following your true, authentic self, then you're on the right path, no matter what. And that's, that's really what I hope people get from it. Um, and uh, I have a book called... Uh, Bobby Bruce in the Bronx, The Secrets of Hip Hop Chess. It's on Amazon. It has a bunch of worksheets in there. So whether you're a teen or an adult, you can kind of go through there and kind of start figuring out like your own decision making concepts and things like that. It connects hip hop to chess and martial arts and definitely come to hiphopchess.com. You can learn more and, and, and follow your boy on the gram at Real Hip Hop Chess because I'm always on the gram. <laughs> thank you so much for speaking with us and, and thank you for this. It's incredible. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Hey guys, welcome back to Bitch Talk. I am excited to speak to our next guest, who is Maddie Madlines Clifford, rapper and arts educator and huge uh, contributor to the Respect Hip Hop Style and Wisdom out here at the Oakland Museum. Maddie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I love the name, too. I'm like all about this. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of like a, a spiritual experience being here, right? Oh, yes. I feel like it's like a reflection of the outside community within the walls of a museum. Museum, which is which is perfect which is beautiful and I'm just so excited about what's gonna come from this absolutely and, and how did you first hear about about this and how did you get involved um, folks reached out to me over email about being part of a convening at the beginning stages and I was just super fangirled out because the people at the convening it was kind of like this discussion um, and it was really really general but the, you know Jeff Chang was in the house and Jay Lai from New York who's like one of my inspirations as a lyricist and we just had a conversation and you know it was like two hours but it went by like a flash because it was there was so much to talk about from like hip-hop and academia to you know like the history of hip-hop to all the different elements of hip-hop and I think what we walked away from that discussion was that you know that this was a really complex culture and the museum was probably like oh man what did we do like <laughs> they're probably like we bit off more than we could no. they totally handled it I feel like with this exhibit they've done a great job of, of showcasing the complexity without um, you know with also doing you know justice to particular particular aspects that are really important that need to be shined a light on so I'm really excited about it. Absolutely that's one thing that I really loved about the introductions when they were opening before we came in she said uh, basically their job was to leave the door open and have the community just come in they something like 50 to 100 people contributed to different aspects of this and I, and I love that because that's what that's the essence of hip-hop is community. Exactly yeah hip-hop is like you know they talked about how it started as a party and I love that they did that because you know I think that yeah there's a lot of you know oppression going on we're all dealing with different difficulties in society but then if we can come together and be joyful um, that's when culture is born and that's when people respond to um, suffering often and trauma often in ways that are just so beautiful and I think that that is what this exhibit is all about. 
absolutely. And I feel like the timing of it all is just so, I mean, it's just riding a huge wave of, of just standing up and being strong and, and Black Panther coming out and Pooch Riley's film's about to come out. It's just kind of like a huge wave and, and the timing, I feel like, couldn't be more appropriate. Oh, yeah. I think it's this perfect time for this exhibit to come out. And also, you know, I would say that sometimes Oakland... People don't realize just how important this soil we are on is and how instrumental it has been in the birth of hip hop and hip hop, you know, becoming what it is today. Um, I'm somebody that is a transplant. I've been here for eight years, but I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, up north. And I came down here because I would listen to all these different women from Oakland that rapped and they were heavy hitters and they weren't treated like novelties and they really knew how to spit. And I was like, wow, I got to go there. And so I came here and it's just like the level of talent that exists here and the the just the breadth of different like styles of lyricism here it's just like unlike anywhere else and so this is really a long time coming I think it's it's really important and beautiful Absolutely. And I want to talk about you really quickly because you've done some amazing things in your life. You teach poetry to incarcerated youth. You've been to Uganda to use hip, uh, teaching how to use hip hop to promote diplomacy and conflict resolution. I mean, how important was this to you? Uh, granted that hip hop also has its roots in activism. How, how important is it for you to also do that work as part of your artistry? Oh, yeah. It's just like, um, you know, I feel like teaching, you know, some people do teaching as like this afterthought. To me, it's intrinsic to my art. It's like an art in itself. And I think, you know, women, a lot of the time we get misunderstood and like our nurturing abilities, our superpowers. And like, I just love the artistry it takes to, you know, bring somebody that is really stressed out about writing. You know, for example, um, you know, people that are incarcerated, about 70% of them are illiterate or they have difficulty with writing and experience themselves and hip-hop is a culture in which a lot of people from hood see themselves reflected and so it's in a perfect way to usher folks into the writing process and the reading process because it's like yo like in order to write a really good verse or a really great poem you need to expand your vocabulary or you know and then that brings people in and all of a sudden you see people that really embrace the writing process they're just like you know my young folks that are in, in juvie like a lot of time they'll be just holding their journals and carry it around with them everywhere and you know as as a woman too, I work, you know, mostly with young men and I feel like it is a great way for them to expand their emotional capacity too. Like, you know, just think about what emotions are behind the anger, you know, and there's a breadth of complexity ways that you can exist basically, you know, so it's like hip hop is life pretty much for me. Like every way like I love hip-hop <laughs> it's everything to me absolutely and, and on that note what about uh, I want you to explain Bruja life and, and that movement yeah man because I miss the the female MCs back in my day I'm like what happened where are they you know I think there's actually a resurgence of women in hip-hop um, for me you know I came up in like the 2000s and that wasn't like the I mean, no, it was like all the great hip hop was like underground and there was this idea of underground versus mainstream. And now because of independent music and just like the whole scene has changed, um, there's actually a, a big movement of women, you know, coming from the margin to the center where we originally have always existed within hip hop. Um, and so, you know, you get people like Princess Nokia, who's like really all about the healing work and all about, you know, just doing amazing things and not caring what other people think. So I've noticed a lot of women actually actually um, rapping and uh, women MCs right now that's happening. So Bruja Life is a collective that originally was started with uh, the homegirl Choti Maya and I. 
and now I'm doing it on my own and I basically you know curate different shows where I'm bringing women from the margin to the centers of the, of the party and but that's the thing though like even Tupac said what makes a party lit it's the women in the space like that's what's gonna make the party popping because you know the dudes is gonna come after that so <laughs> <laughs> that. exactly uh, so, okay so on, on that note one final question what do you hope somebody that comes to the, this exhibit walks away with maybe something they've never they've never really realized about hip-hop or, or a realization in that aspect man I want them to realize I want them to feel affirmed especially if there's somebody that you know it feels disenfranchised um, especially young people in our schools I think why they're getting pushed out is because their culture isn't affirmed um, the way they speak the way they dress the way they carry themselves their swag their style everything about them is just so incredible and innovative and so if young people especially young people of color and young women and queer people come in and they feel like I see myself reflected like um, I think that is something that I would think is incredible and that would be a beautiful thing to happen if they saw this exhibit and I think it will happen absolutely we're, we're well on our way Madlines you are one bad bitch thank you for talking oh, to yeah, us yeah bitches <laughs> here with Mr. Eric Arnold, who is basically a pioneer of hip-hop journalism. Thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. What's the name of this podcast? <laughs> bitch Talk. Bitch Talk. Okay. All right. But it's, you know, men bitch, women bitch. It's not exclusive. Okay. So it's using bitch as a universal phrase, phrase of expression, right? Absolutely. Shooting the shit is bitch talk. All right. Well, let's do it. <laughs> I wanted to hear what your thoughts were walking in here as a hip-hop journalist. You've covered everything from A to Z. Well, you know, this is like what you live for. Um, this is sort of like the culmination for me of, I mean, you know, probably like 30 years of writing 30 years of experiencing and documenting the culture, you know, and then even before that, you know, being a part of the culture and before that, like being influenced by the culture and going, what is this thing? That, what, what is this? You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and what do you feel about um, the four different pillars of hip hop, how they've separated it into sections? And because for me, it, it just you feel like you're walking in to a house party like you're, it's just so community driven. Well, I mean, this is beyond anything that I've ever seen at the Oakley Museum, except for maybe the Black Panther exhibit. And, um, you know, I like it. I mean, I think it's um, it's actually almost, you know, you said a house party, but it's almost like a temple in a way um, without a particular religious uh, affiliation. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the vibe I'm getting is like it's vibrant, it's dynamic, um, but it's also very... Um, it's also very reverential uh, for what hip-hop has done and you know that just feels so gratifying because we haven't always felt revered Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as somebody that's covered hip-hop for decades is there something that you learned today something new that you that you didn't know about something that surprised you no but <laughs> I mean if I'm keeping it 100 no I, I haven't learned anything new but it's more of a validation of what I already knew. Right, right, right. And what do you hope somebody that comes into this exhibit leaves feeling about hip-hop? Well, there's going to be a lot. I mean, you know, uh, you might, be, might have to come back multiple times or just pre be prepared to spend all day here just absorbing it. I mean, even for someone that knows a lot about hip-hop, there's a lot here. And there's so many different aspects and so many different elements and... 
you know, there's a lot of uh, level of uh, interactivity in terms of the engagement that I think you're going to come away like knowing more than you did when you walked in. And that's also what I love about this exhibit is not only are you appreciating the art and all its different forms, you're asked to participate in it. So you walk away feeling like you learned a little piece of it or maybe you want to you want to walk away learning more like, wait, now I want to make music beats because I started playing on that machine at the exhibit. Yeah, I think that's, you know, sort of intentional. It's like that they want to leave you with the feeling like, wow, there's so much more about this culture that I can learn. And that's true because, you know, um, there is so much more that could have gone into this exhibit that didn't. But that's okay because what is in here is so much. Right. And you leave wanting to research more and wanting to know more. You leave hungry for more hip hop. Absolutely. Definitely hungry for more hip hop. You know, but also hungry for good hip hop, for cultural hip hop, for positive hip hop. You know, for hip hop that isn't like tearing down people but is actually building up communities right. yeah. uh, I, I wanted to ask you an, one more thing about the hyphy movement so you were the first journalist to dive into the hyphy phenomenon in print so can you explain to our listeners that don't understand what is the hyphy movement well at this point hyphy is a historical um, socio-cultural phenomenon that happened in the bay area in the mid 2000s um, but actually started way earlier than that it has its roots in sideshow uh, side culture. Uh, the turf dancing that's associated with it has its roots in boogaloo culture. Um, of course, the rap element, uh, you know, goes back, I would say, to the uh, mid-80s as far as the Bay Area. Um, and at the time, it was a youth movement, and it was a very dynamic youth movement. It was a very vibrant youth movement. It was a very wild youth movement. And what was crazy about it is, like, you had all these, like, suburban people trying to like ghost ride their mom's Volvo you know and wear stunner shades and you know and and, and, and so it, it was definitely like a moment in time you know I, it was, it's funny because before I did this interview I was um, being interviewed by uh, Vibe.com and I actually did the Hyphy article for Vibe I did the feature on Hyphy for Vibe in 2006 and at the time I did that I never thought uh, 12 years later I'm going to be talking about it for a museum exhibit that I helped contribute to yeah, yeah. you know like you never know like that moment in time later on is going to be a historical footnote right right is, is there any scenario where it's not appropriate to use high feet like can I be high feet about you know the arch supports and my shoes making me feel good well, I mean, you can be hyphy about anything, really, because it, what it really means is hyper and fly. Yeah. And so it's hyper and fly combined. The question is, do you want to be hyphy about everything? You know, people might say you're doing extra, you're doing too many. Or, you know, they, they, might, they might also be like, why are you using hyphy? We haven't used that word in 12 years. Don't you know that you're supposed to be, you know, I don't even know what they would like. I was, was going to ask you, what is it now then? I, you see, that's, uh, <laughs> the last one I caught up with was, uh, was on fleek, but that's, uh, that went out already. Like, you know, and that went out quick, you yeah, know? Yeah. I can't keep up. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I know like there's a whole lot of controversy over like the term woke, you know? Yeah. So, and I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know, like if you're woke, why do you have to tell people that you're woke? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, yeah, if you're saying it, that means you're kind of overcompensating, you know. Yeah, I understand. What you're, you're probably not actually that woke if you're, you're claiming you're woke. woke. Yeah, 
It's like, I'm not a racist, but... Yeah, or something, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, because, you know, when I was coming up, we would say, dream but don't sleep. You know, or we would say, or, you know, there's that uh, saying by Nas, you know, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. Um, but, you know, when you walk around talking about you're woke, I have no idea what that means. You know, uh, on that note, if anybody out there can explain it further, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to us, Mr. Eric Arnold. All right. Yeah. Thanks for covering this. Peace. That was uh, Adisa Benjoko, Eric Arnold, and Mad Lines. Uh, we were celebrating the uh, opening, well, the soft opening of Respect Hip Hop Style and Wisdom at the Oakland Museum of California. Which is very impactful. And Erin warned me when I walked up. She's like, you're going to get emotional walking in there because it's so special. From the, the first room you walk into is called the Dojo, and it's interactive. And I, I sat down right at the table, and I started drawing, and I was uh, I was posing on the mic. You know, like, it was, it was so interactive, and um, it was definitely a very spiritual experience. Yeah, I mean, Ange and I grew up in the time and in, in, in place of hip-hop. And uh, I grew up in San Leandro, so Oakland is two BART stops away, and that was just, it was in my backyard growing up. So this is very, very home to me, and uh, the culture that I grew up with. And uh, it's really meaningful what the Oakland Museum of California has done, and Renee Guzman, who's the curator, and all these collaborators that came through. It's just, it's really special if you're into hip hop. Come visit Oakland. That's all I have to say. Um, but thanks for listening. We are, I didn't say this at the beginning of the podcast, we're at Luca's in Oakland. Love this place. Come for the fried chicken. Come for the burgers. Come for the Sundays, 50% off all bottles of beer and wine. Um, yeah, come visit Oakland. And we're going to have a part two for you with a few other collaborators on uh, Respect. So stay tuned. Bitch, please. <laughs>